Warren Buffett, BlackRock, and other institutional players dominate investments in commercial aviation. Why? Because it's one of the most profitable and predictable alternative assets that exists. And it's not tied to other markets such as real estate and the stock market. Is it safe? Well, imagine triple net leases to the likes of American Airlines and British Airways. Income is contractual and guaranteed by some of the biggest named airlines in the world. That's why this kind of investment was never available to the ordinary accredited investor. That is until now. Visit accesswealthaviation.com and check it out for yourself. Invest in an institutional team with over 200 plus years of combined investment experience in the aviation sector. Conservative investing with double digit returns and tax advantages. That's accesswealthaviation.com. Accesswealthaviation.com. You are listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Welcome, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with the Wealth Formula Podcast coming to you from, yes, Montecito, California. It's still here. Actually, I'm just back into the place. We had uh, evacuation here. And, you know, if you're on Twitter or in the news, whatever, you probably saw Ellen DeGeneres out there. She doesn't live too far away from me. So, uh, yeah, it was kind of crazy. We all got evacuated. And it's probably because there was a big mudslide about five years ago that killed some people and really demolished, you know, a ton of real estate around here. And they were afraid the uh, same thing was happening, except. This time we didn't have a bunch of debris from a fire that, that rolled down the hill with boulders. But thanks for those of you who actually reached out. A lot of you reached out and uh, asked how I was doing, and I do appreciate that. Uh, and uh, no, But we're all doing good. We're all back. Evacuation's over. No damage to the house, which is really nice, too. Anyway, uh, before we uh, begin, I just also want to point out that there is an opportunity to participate more in Wealth Formula via our website, wealthformula.com. Also, uh, if you are interested, you can consider joining Wealth Formula Network, which is our inside community, our online community. And we do bi-weekly Zoom calls. We do, uh, we have a Facebook page. Anyway, lots of fun people in it it's just a pretty tight community actually right now so it's pretty cool check that out at wealthformularoadmap.com that is different from the investor club by the way investor club is not a community per se it's just you know getting onboarded as an accredited investor and getting access to deal flow and that is simple and easy you can go to wealthformula.com for that now as for today uh, we're going to talk a little bit about discomfort and risk and all that kind of stuff. Now, I know what you're thinking. I mean, if you read a lot of business and entrepreneurial books, you are probably sick of people telling you uh, that you have to get out of your comfort zone, take some risks. You know, I get it. It's uh, kind of beaten over the head in general, right? But what, let me ask you this, Tim, if you're honest, um, what are you doing to take risks and to get uncomfortable? Well, after all, uh, why should you do it anyway? Well, it's really, in my opinion, really the only way to like grow, to get better, to, you know, take it to the next level or whatever you want to call it. These concepts apply really to everything. And, you know, all you have to do is think about all the things you didn't do in life, but would like to, you know, those types of things that 
just deluded you over the years. And you're like, I wish I'd learned how to do that, but I never did. And that's the type of thing that like, I feel like can improve the quality of our life significantly if you can address those kinds of things. So after all, I mean, what's the purpose of all this wealth we're trying to build uh, in this podcast in our group and, um, you know, our whole ethos? It's the purpose of wealth is to have the freedom to focus on some level of self-actualization. You know, it's not to play golf. It's to give you an opportunity to uh, live your life, uh, try to, you know, fill in all of the things that you haven't done, your bucket list, whatever, whatever you want to call it. And if you need an example of this, I'll give you one of mine. Uh, so I might have talked about this years ago on the podcast, but I'll tell you the story again. I never learned to swim as a kid. And um, I remember my older brother and sister going to swim lessons. I remember uh, I was really little and I would go in there with my mom and I just have vague memories of like my brother and sister who were five, you know, like five and four years older than me um, in the swimming pool. And I remember being put into the baby pool a few times and that was cool. And then they tried to do some basic lessons and I was just terrified of water. And it was probably, I, don't know, I was probably like four, five, maybe like four years old or something like that. So anyway, they didn't really push it and I was pretty little anyway. Uh, a couple years later, it was really my turn to learn to swim, to take those swim lessons that my brother and sister were doing. But I declined. Uh, I, you know, I, I had like some fear. I had some like, you know, something that just wouldn't let me do it. And I begged for mercy in this regard. And unfortunately, my uh, parents didn't push back. Uh, and, you know, sometimes it's a lesson for parents too, right? Like it's a lesson for us as parents to not do some of the things that our parents did. My parents were Ah, he doesn't need to swim. What does he need to swim for? You know? So they didn't care. They let me, you know, they let me off the hook. And unfortunately, that's not a great thing, you know, in life. I mean, especially when you're an athletic kid and, you know, you want to go to the beach and all that stuff. So as an adult, I, you know, I tried private lessons. A bunch of times. I'm in my 20s, in my 30s, in my 40s. And I wasn't really, I wasn't at all afraid of water anymore. In fact, I probably should be more, should have been more afraid of water than I was at this, at that point. However, uh, I just couldn't figure out how to move in the water, right? Like it just was just like flailing, having some kind of seizure or something like that in the water, but it wasn't getting me anywhere. And I'd given up altogether you know, after all those private lessons until about five, six years ago when I heard Tim Ferriss, you know, the five-hour work week guy, that guy, uh, talking about having a similar experience as an adult who couldn't get swimming down. And it was something that he'd been trying. And he, he also had multiple trainers. I'm sure he was like, you know, much more intense about it than I am because that's his whole ethos is right, like his intensity and all that. Um, but he despite all of his efforts, could not learn to swim until he met a guy by the name of Terry Laughlin. And Terry was the creator of a uh, type of swim school and technique called Total Immersion, or TI. Um, so Tim had said on his show, I think it was on his show, or I don't know, maybe I read it, but he said that Terry got him swimming laps, like easy got him swimming laps by the end of the week. 
So I had to give it a try. So I reached out to Terry, who lived in upstate New York. Uh, and as it turned out, he had end-stage cancer and really hadn't been doing lessons for some time. However, I got lucky. He just finished chemo and was feeling a bit better, so he invited me out anyway. So a few weeks later, or maybe I might have only been like a week or two later, I was at Terry's house on the East Coast in his training pool, uh, the same way that uh, Tim Ferriss learned. Now, the way Terry taught me was remarkably easy and methodical. And believe it or not, by the end of the day, I was swimming. I mean, it was just mind, mind-boggling for me that I was swimming at the end of the day. After decades and decades of frustration, multiple lessons, no one could tell me what to do. And Terry just broke it down into a couple things and he got this, you know, 40-plus-year-old guy swimming in a day. Anyway, I so I was swimming. I, I stuck around for another day, but had to get back to work. Uh, I figured I'd come back in a few months to get down one part, though, that I really hadn't got down yet, which was breathing. I couldn't, I couldn't breathe while I was swimming. So, of course, that makes it so you can't really do laps and that kind of thing per se. But you know, I can just swim and not drown and move and stuff. But but I can't. You know, I couldn't. I couldn't swim for exercise. Now, I wish I'd stayed in New York for that week because Terry passed away just a couple months later, unfortunately. So now I can swim again, but not long enough to do laps for exercise. I still can't breathe. I tried another TI instructor, another guy who was sort of in his um, in that same training methodology, but it really wasn't the same. Terry was a master. He was just really, really good at teaching uh, people to swim. Anyway, yeah, I mean, it makes me think while I'm sitting here that maybe I should try to find another TI person, try to get them to help me learn to breathe or something like that. Uh, But the point of this story is to illustrate this idea of getting uncomfortable to get over a lifetime full of anxiety and self-consciousness about being unable to swim. I mean, all I had to do was find the right instructor you know, fly out there. Was that a risk for me? Not really. It was uncomfortable for me to be in the pool there at the beginning, not knowing how how to swim, but I kind of gave in to it. And well, next thing you know, I, I was swimming by the end of the day. You could probably apply this kind of story to your own life. I mean, what have you been avoiding for the last few decades? It might be swimming. Who knows? Is it time to confront these things and move forward on with your life? I mean, you'd probably feel better, right? And if it's something you need to do that is physical, uh, well, you're not getting any younger either. I can guarantee you that. So anyway, my guest this week on Well Formula Podcast, uh, well, he has a unique take on risk and discomfort and actually suggests that we should constantly be seeking discomfort in our lives. And we will hear all about that after these messages. Worried about saving too little too late for retirement? The Wealth Accelerator may be exactly what you need. With the help of some of the oldest and most reliable insurance companies in the country, Wealth Accelerator allows you to take most of the upside of any good year in the stock market and use bank loans to magnify those returns significantly. And what if the stock market has a bad year? No need to fear. Wealth Accelerator is engineered so you don't participate in the losses of the market, no matter how bad of a year it is. Sounds too good to be true, right? 
but it's not. It's simply the same financial engineering that the ultra wealthy have been doing for years. Now it's your turn. Check it out for yourself by going to wealthformulabanking.com. Again, that's wealthformulabanking.com. Self-storage is a necessary evil. It's where you keep your stuff and forget about it. No wonder this stuff is so profitable and recession resistant. The Wealth Formula community, well, we've benefited from that. We've made lots of money in this space with Reliant Real Estate, one of the largest self-storage companies in the country. With an average investor internal rate of return of almost 34%, with hold times just over three and a half years, these guys know what the meaning of velocity of money is. If you're an accredited investor, make sure to check out what they're up to right now at ReliantFund4.com. Again, that's ReliantFund4.com. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today, my guest on Wealth Formula Podcast is Sterling Hawkins. Uh, Sterling is an author, speaker, and an entrepreneur. He is the author of Hunting Discomfort, How to Get Breakthrough Results in Life and Business No Matter What. Uh, Sterling, welcome to Wealth Formula Podcast. No matter what. Thanks for having me on, Buck. Great no matter what. That's the key words, right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So words you have that'll in- unlock growth for all yeah. of us. There you go. There you go. Um, let you know, let's, so you have an interesting story. Why don't, why don't we start there? Because, you know, obviously this, oh, this push into uh, discomfort and no matter what and all that came from somewhere. So, so tell us how you got to this point. It did. Well, you know, a lot of people come to me, especially when they see the book called Hunting Discomfort, and they're like, you got to look at my business, my relationships, my bank account. Uh, I don't need to hunt discomfort, (laughs) Sterling. I'm surrounded by it. Or they say, guess what? I already found it. There you go. Yeah. And my answer is always the same, which is you're not hunting discomfort. You're living with it and probably rationalizing why you have it. And, And that's really where my journey started. You know, this is uh, early 2000s. I'm right out of college. I start a company with my dad and we sell it to a group in Silicon Valley and become part of this huge behemoth that Mm -hmm. was like the Apple Pay before Apple Pay. Okay. Uh And everybody, especially investors, looked at this thing and said, oh, yeah, biometrics is the future. We raised 550 million US dollars cash, multi billion dollar valuation. And yeah, I was very much in a space of who needs discomfort? I've got yeah. this whole business and life thing figured out. It's just a matter of time till I crown myself the next Steve Jobs, you know? Right, right. Yeah. And things went really well for a while. You know, not only did we grow to 700 people and offices all over the world, but then there were things. Have you seen The Wolf of Wall Street? Yeah. Was it it was like a scene out of that movie, <laughs> like models in the office, parties at the Four Seasons, first class, yeah. private flights. I won't get into more yeah. details than that, but you get the idea. Yeah, right? Sounds fun. <laughs> it, it, it was a blast. It, it was unreal. And remember, yeah. I'm in my early 20s. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm yeah. living the dream. Yeah, Totally. And, you know, through a series of missteps, which we can get into if you like, um, the housing market collapse comes and our investment dried up. We couldn't raise any more money and we didn't have enough organic growth to sustain the size that we were. And very long, very dramatic story short, the entire thing goes bankrupt. Uh. Half a billion dollars cash just yeah. gone. Yeah. You know, I think we licensed some of the patents or sold some of the patents, excuse me, from, you know, a couple of million dollars, like nothing yeah. compared to what we had raised. Right. Right. And 
it was really then where I made a, a conscious decision to some degree of avoiding discomfort, mm-hmm. which is a mistake I think many of us made where I didn't admit that it was a huge failure. You know, it was all over the news and everybody saw it, but I pretended like I was okay. You know, I, I, my millionaire friends would invite me on trips and for a while I'd just keep going, spending money I didn't have because I didn't have any income anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started to just tell people I was busy. I retreated from um, going to any of those things, expensive dinners, big trips, any of these things they were doing because I didn't have the cash, but I didn't tell them that. Right, right. And I avoided and hid from discomfort for so long. I ended up playing out this, you know, kind of sad country song of a story where I go from a penthouse apartment to my parents' house in my early thirties now. So it's, it's not a good look in your thirties, at least if you're forced to go there. Right. And even my girlfriend broke up with me. It's like, I'm hitting every single beat of this thing. And it was in that, uh, that really dark time. I make a little bit light of it now, but sure. Easily the darkest time of my life, uh-huh. hardest time of my life that I really stared face to face with the, the abyss, the depths of discomfort of uh, everything. And it was from there, from that rock bottom that I, instead of running from discomfort, started to use it to build myself back. Mm-hmm. So what so is, tell, it tell me what, how that works. Tell, what, how, you know, I could get a sense of it, but tell me how you yeah. use the discomfort to start building yourself. Yeah. Well, the, the first thing is coming to terms with what is exactly how it is. Right. So I, I called people up and I said, listen, I, I don't have anything. In fact, I'm in six figures of debt right now. Like I, I need help. Not only can I not go on your fancy vacation, I don't have money to pay for dinner. Right. Right. And it, it wasn't easy. It was uncomfortable, but that at least gave me some footing to continue moving ahead. And some people were offering help in different areas. And all of a sudden I started to build a community of people there where I wasn't trying to like keep up a facade, Mm -hmm. but people started to pitch in to help and say, Oh, well, I know this person, or I know that person, or here's some options, or do you need a loan? Like those kinds of things, people were offering help. Once I admitted, went through the discomfort of admitting that I needed it. Yeah. And have you ever heard that quote, the way out is through, Buck? Which one? The way out is through. The way out is through. No, no, I have so not. It's a Robert Frost quote. Uh-huh. Um, my mom used to say it when I was a kid growing up and it came back to me. And it was kind of in that that abyss, that rock yeah. bottom. I just say, you know what? I'm going to test this thing out. Like if the way out is through, let's see. And to me, it means go through the, the uncomfortable, the uncertain, the things that are uh, embarrassing or you experience shame or you have a lot of fear, like go through those things. And what you're finding, what you want to find is on the other side. Mm-hmm. And so that's really what I started doing everywhere I could. I started to find places physically, mentally, emotionally, where I could kind of push the edges of myself. And it was from gripping onto those edges, I was able to, you know, build myself back, like I say. So when you think about uh, discomfort now, how does, um, how do you determine, I guess, you know, you're, you brought up earlier when somebody says, yeah, you know, I've got a plenty of discomfort. Uh, How does one determine what type of discomfort is impeding them? And, you know, which is potentially something they need to confront and, and uh, in order to help themselves or to, to move ahead. 
So it's a good question. And I, I think the first thing to understand is that discomfort is all the same from a, a mental, physical standpoint. Um, research is actually at a University of Michigan, and they were studying discomfort, scanning people's brains and their bodies as they went through different kinds. Physical discomfort, like somebody stubbed their toe, emotional discomfort, maybe somebody lost a job or an investment went south, or you know they lost a job, broke up with a loved one. And what they found is no matter what kind of discomfort somebody was going through, physical, mental, emotional, the brain and body processed it almost identically. Now, maybe you know this because you're a doctor. I didn't know this, but so much so you can take acetaminophen and it will help you with emotional pain. I didn't know Crazy. about that. I, I should start cracking that bottle. <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, all the disclaimers go with that, right? I'm not a doctor. That's not a biohack. I don't suggest you do that. Right. Uh, but what I do suggest is that we could take the next step, which is if how we experience discomfort is the same anywhere, we can grow our capacity to deal with it everywhere. You know, everybody knows if you want to build your biceps, you go to the gym. Well, if you want to build your resiliency, your courage, your breakthrough results, you start hunting discomfort. There's just no other way. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense so far? It, yeah, absolutely. So what, how, does, how do you hunt discomfort? Well, there, there's two aspects to it. And I think about my mom being right. Like the way out is through. We just need to have the courage to go through no matter what. And that's really the point of the, the book, right? The steps to go through that discomfort. And I'll offer you two components of it here. The first thing is meet that discomfort everywhere that you can. You know, if it's a difficult kind of conversation with a particular person, go after it. Uh, start to notice how you're being in those situations. How do you feel? Where's that feeling in your body? So are you saying start with the things that you know you might be avoiding? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So, okay. So like, you know, a conversation that you've been avoiding or, you know, something more practical, like, you know, I really would, uh, I really can't swim and I really need to learn to swim. (laughs) Let's just go do this. That kind of thing. Like, right. So, so, Finding out what you're avoiding and stop avoiding it. Is that how you hunt? That's a piece of it. And find it as much as you can. You know, like you said, if you're afraid of the water, get in the water as much as you possibly can. Yeah. Right. Piece one. The second piece is once you do that, start to understand, well, where did that originate? Right. Nobody came out of the womb afraid to swim. Nobody came out of the womb afraid to have difficult conversations, right? Like doctors, again, you would probably know, doctors aren't announcing to these newborn babies, hey, this one's scared mm-hmm. to speak in public. Like it just, yeah. it doesn't happen that way. Yeah, Those fears, that discomfort started somewhere. And the more that you meet it, the more you can kind of trace back to some of those feelings to see, well, when did that start? What is that really about? And as you can get to the root of it, that's where you can dismantle it from the source and become free of it. Right. Let's talk about, um, you know, how is it more natural to think about failure rather than success? Well, so biologically, it makes a lot of sense to um, deal with discomfort, right? Our ancestors, if they were feeling cold, they figured out how to get themselves warm. If they were feeling the discomfort of being hungry, they would go hunting or pick berries. 
if they were feeling scared, maybe they would, you know, set up um, a, a new home or something, right? They were dealing with the source of discomfort. And what happens today is, you know, modernity for many of us affords us a lot of luxuries, right? Like I can work on Zoom and through email. I can be entertained through Netflix sitting on the couch and yeah. I can eat with um, Uber Eats delivering me food, right? So I no longer, from a survival standpoint, am I forced to deal with the source of the discomfort? I can run from it. I can turn away from it. And what that does is it leaves us forever dealing with its effects. Right. When you, um, do you think to a certain degree, cause you're talking, you talk a little bit about like, you know, modern, um, uh, living. Yeah. Is, is part of the idea that you have that we're kind of hardwired to have more discomfort and not having that discomfort is somewhat disconcerting. I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, if I you're, mean, if, if we're hardwired to like, you know, look for berries and hunt animals all day long and uh, we got Uber eats and <laughs> you yeah. know, it, 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 it ends up being something that creates um, some tension within, uh, you know, ourselves. I think so. I think it's almost like an overdose or even an addiction to, comfort. And if you think about it from like a human level, I work with companies and company leadership to realize their potential, to realize greater potential. And just from a personal standpoint, if you're only using or willing to embrace half of your emotions, I only want to feel love, joy, and happiness or whatever it is, you're actually denying a piece of yourself, pieces that you need to realize your full potential. And it could be anger. It could be grief. It could be um, embarrassment or shame. Those emotions are just as valid and just as necessary for all of us as human beings to live a fulfilled experience. And it just so happens that on the other side of those things are all the results we're looking for anyways, be it time better spent, more money, better relationships, you name it. So when you've worked with people on this or companies, yeah. Um, kind of give me some idea, like if you can, you know, examples of how maybe, um, you know, dealing with or hunting discomfort, yeah. uh, confronting it, uh, provided an opportunity for growth. Yeah. Well, there was a, a great example. It's in the book and I was just writing about it recently, GE healthcare. Mm -hmm. They were making a new electrocardiogram machine years mm -hmm. back. I feel like this is especially appropriate given your audience, right? You know more about some of these things yeah. than I do. Yeah, you would think. Uh, but for anybody <laughs> that's not a doctor and doesn't know uh -huh. what the ECG is, is it's a machine to basically look at your heart um, vibrations mm -hmm. and see if there's something wrong with it, right? Did I get right. that right? Yeah, it's just a rhythm. Ballpark. Heart rhythm, make sure your rhythm, heart rhythm's normal. And if there's something abnormal, then maybe you get worked up with another test and then another test. And then yeah. So these machines were typically very expensive to produce and it was somewhat limited where they could get them. Mm -hmm. And the team at GE looked at it and the typical approach would be, ah, throw more money, more time, more resources at it, and we'll make a better machine. Well, maybe that's, that's kind of the easy way. And you never guaranteed the result that way. You're not guaranteed a result period, mm -hmm. but they went the other way. They actually started to hunt discomfort themselves. And they say, well, let's, instead of increasing the budget, 
let's decrease it. Not by a little bit, but by 18 times. And instead of the two-year development cycle that we usually have, let's cut that down to, I think it was 12 months or so. And the team, first of all, you got to acknowledge it's a little bit uncomfortable because they're looking at this saying, probably initially, that's impossible. How are we ever going to do that? Nothing's ever been done like this before. But once they started to turn towards that discomfort, acknowledge some of the shortfalls that they had regarding their resources, regarding their thinking, regarding themselves, they started to be able to take steps forward and lean into that discomfort. And well, you know, those machines are are much cheaper, much faster. Yeah. Now they're available all over the world. Mm-hmm. Not only did they achieve the result they were looking for, but in a retrospective they were doing, they said, they probably would not have achieved it without that discomfort, without those constraints. It's only because of those constraints that they had and leaning into the discomfort of them did that incredible breakthrough result arise. How about in terms of a personal story, not necessarily you, but at an individual basis, because this is information that, you know, presumably is universal, uh, not just for businesses, but can be used in, your social life, health, and happiness, et cetera. Exactly. Um, well, have you ever heard of William Hung? Does that um, ring a bell? It does. I don't know where, though. So you might know him from uh, its American Idol fame. He sang okay. Ricky Martin, She Bangs so <laughs> yeah, poorly, yeah. he became right. like a worldwide phenomenon, right? Right. Well, I had the opportunity to meet him as part of a TEDx I gave several years back and started talking with him and got a little bit of the behind the scenes story. Cause I, same as you, you know, I saw the memes, I laughed about yeah. it. I saw the recordings. Right. And in talking with him, I didn't think about it from a human level, but he goes, Sterling, you have no idea what it's like to have the entire world laughing at you. Right. Mm-hmm. Like he thought he was a good singer. He was practicing. He really and then he gets he up good. on that stage yeah. and the world says, no, you're not. Huh? And he said he, he just wanted to crawl into a hole. Like it was the, the worst feeling he had ever experienced in his entire life. Hmm. And after some period of time doing this, he decided to not avoid that discomfort, but to really lean into it to say, okay, I have been made a little bit of a caricature. How can I use that to my advantage? How can I lean into that discomfort? And so what he started doing is he started making appearances all around the world. It turns out people would pay him quite a bit of money and fly him around the globe to see his performance of Ricky Martin. She banks. There you go. There you go. And he ends up on stage in Vegas with Ricky Martin himself. He's (laughs) he's got record deals. He's got celebrity deals. He's got endorsements. Like all of a sudden, the thing that he was most uncomfortable with became the reason for his success. It just took leaning into that discomfort, huge amounts of discomfort to be able to do it. Um, you talk a little bit about, um, it's important to give up the exception to get the results you want. What does that mean? Um, I think when we give ourselves an out, just from a biological standpoint, a psychological standpoint, we're probably going to take it right. When you create a safety net, when you already see like, Oh, if this goes South, here's how I'm going to handle it. Right. If this investment goes bad, here's how I'm going to tell my husband or my wife. Um, here's what I'm going to do with my portfolio thereafter. Right. 
if you're creating an exit strategy before you've even started something, you're probably going to default to that just because it's, it's easier, it's known, and you created some neural networks in your brain that are going to start to orient you towards that path. Mm-hmm. When you get rid of the exception, you get rid of the excuses, you get rid of the reasons in advance, it's going to make it much more likely for you to achieve whatever it is that you're looking to do. So with companies and with leaders of the companies, and you know, something that we can all take from is when you start on a new initiative or you have a new goal, before you just set out and taking actions, sit for a couple of minutes and write down all the ways you're going to give yourself an excuse. Write down your exit plan, write down why you're going to fail if you fail. And once you write them down, set them aside and say, I'm not going to let myself use any of these excuses going forward. And that orients you more towards, towards the goal. And, you know, especially if you're having somebody holding you accountable to not using those excuses, you're much more likely to achieve them. Makes sense. Um, Tell us a little bit about, um, tell us a little bit about the book, you know, where we can get it. I mean, what are your, obviously it's, it's about this concept of hunting discomfort. Um, you can get it, you can get it at the usual outlets, I assume, Amazon and all that. I, I like to say anywhere great books are sold. Yeah. Is it, is it on Audible? <laughs> it's not on Audible yet. It will be later this year. Okay. But are it's you on gonna, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, local bookstores. Um, are you going to read it on Audible? I am going to read it. Good. I like it well, so I, much better when authors read their books. I don't, it just doesn't seem right when they don't, but. Um, yeah. and then you have, you've also got, um, you've also got, I know some, some tools, uh, that, that people can work at home as part of sort of this, you know, idea of discomfort. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Well, it, this goes a little bit back to your earlier question of how do we find the discomfort that's in the way? And one is start to notice it, Right. Yeah. But we've constructed our lives and by extension, our businesses to avoid discomfort because it just doesn't feel very good. So from a very young age, we start turning away from it, maybe initially consciously, but we forget over time what that discomfort is that we're avoiding. So we do have to do a little bit of sleuthing to figure out what that is. So we put together a hunting discomfort quiz. doesn't cost anything. People can go to huntingdiscomfort.com and take that free quiz there, but it's 15 questions. And at the end of it, it's going to at least shed a little bit of light on what discomfort is in the way of you using the tools, the resources, the money that you already have. And better yet, a pathway to how you can break free of it. So, you know, that's something anybody can do. Of course, the book gets a lot deeper into some of the, that stuff and a lot of the things we've been talking here. But you can find all of it at huntingdiscomfort.com. Sounds good. And then uh, yeah. you also have a website, sterlinghawkins.com. What's, uh, what can we find there? That's right. Yeah. Well, thanks for the opportunity to plug all my things here. (laughs) (laughs) So at sterlinghawkins.com, you can find all my social media. You can find the work we do with companies in terms of workshops, keynote speaking, the deeper work we do uh, around aligning companies to a a true mission, a true no matter what. And um, any questions you want to get in touch with me, all of that's there. Fantastic. Sterling, thank you very much for being on Wealth Formula Podcast. Very uh, useful information and and, uh, hopefully... Hopefully people get some benefit from uh, reading the book and exploring the questionnaire and stuff. For sure. Thanks for having me on, Buck. It's been a pleasure. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back to the show, everyone. Hope you enjoyed it. And before we go, I do want to remind you that there is this thing that a number of you may be interested in called Wealth Formula Network. Wealth Formula Network is our inside community, our insider community, uh, where we do bi-weekly Zoom video calls. We have a Facebook page that we do some discussions on. When you sign up, you sign up for a course. And effectively, what happens is it gives you the basics of personal finance. And then that also gives you uh, membership into Wealth Formula Network. Check that out at wealthformularoadmap.com. Anyway, that's it for me this week on Wealth Formula Podcast. This is Bach Joffrey signing off. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast. Visit us on the web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not fact. As always, Buck Joffrey here from Sapio with Buck Joffrey. Aging might become reversible over the next 10 to 20 years. It's already being done in lab animals, so it's just a matter of time. Our challenge? To be healthy enough for when that time comes. As a former scientist and surgeon myself, my goal is to figure out how to do that and to share it with you. I wrote a book called Living Longer for Busy People that you can download for free at sapiopodcast.com. You'll be amazed at just how a few daily adjustments can add years of a healthy life for you. Again, download it for free, sapiopodcast.com.